right, welcome back to Sacred Reading at Brandon High. I'm excited to be into this book. What a great thing to be able to do while we are out. Reading lets me escape into other worlds. This book does not feel like a happy escape, but it does feel really important for me to know and understand. And as I read it, it's hard for me to put it down. I'm so happy to be here with you guys today. With me today is Mr. Thompson. Thompson, Hello. are you? <laughs> Hi, how's everybody doing? Welcome, I'm glad that you're gonna talk about this section of the novel with me. Uh, we read chapters five and six most recently. And at the beginning of chapter six, there's a quote that really stood out to me that I would like to talk about with Havrutha. So for everyone listening, Havrutha again is where we pull out a section of the text and then ask a question of it. And in Havrutha, they say the answer is between you. So I have to kind of guess at what I think the answer is and then listen as well to Mr. Thompson and what he thinks the answer might be. And together we have to come to a communal answer. So the very first page of chapter six is on page 66 and it says, the black boys called it the White House because that was its official name and it fit and it didn't need to be embellished. The White House delivered the law and everybody obeyed it. For a little context, this is about the place where the authority at Nickel takes students for corporal punishment, for literal beatings. And the white students have a different name for it than the black students. The black students call it the White House. And my question is, is there a connection there between the fact that these students feel that the name the White House fits when the seat of our government is the White House. Is it, is that why it fits? Do they feel that our government as well is the place that doles out punishment to them? Is that really what it feels like in this time to be an African-American citizen? And I think there is a connection there as I look at an answer. I think that that probably is why it fits. You know, they're living in a time of segregation and um, a, a very dark point in our history. We still have a long way to go, but we've moved a little beyond this. And this was a very dark time. And um, calling it the White House both makes it, you know, that's what the building actually looks like, but it also does fit, I think, because of the connection to the seat of government. What do you read into that, Mr. Thompson? I think I read the very same thing that you're reading. Um, you're absolutely correct when you say that this is the, it was not the height of, but it's, you know, you're in the, you're in the mix of the civil rights era and you know, Jim Crow laws were being challenged uh, all over the land. And, um, you know, with, with Martin Luther King and Kennedy and the civil rights marches and sit-ins and things that took place during that time, it, I think you're, you're right, you're spot on when you say this is how, you know, th this is how uh, African-Americans viewed this is their view from that time, I, I, for lack of a better uh, 
for lack of a better word, for lack of better wording, they they see the White House a little differently than their their white counterparts. You know, it's funny you should say that the that they go to this particular building for corporal punishment and uh, the law being laid down. Well, you know, African Americans felt that the law, and, and they do today, they felt that the law was um, laid down a little differently for them mm-hmm. than it was their their counterparts. And we certainly see that in this book too. And, and you also see, you know, during during this, you do see it differently in this book. Um, no one, no one ever bothered to question you know, the, Elwood. The, the, the vast mistreatment, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elwood was getting a ride to a college class, and because the person who picked him up picked him up in a stolen car, they never no investigated ever, any of that. And if that had been the treatment correct. of yeah they, they did not they did not question elwood at all uh and i often wonder because even at the end of that chapter it says that uh or in that very same chapter the guy said you know he kind of i i got the hint that he was going to stick up for elwood and say I, I don't know you and you know anything like that and that this wasn't your fault or anything to that effect. So it kind of made me wonder, it's like, well, if the guy's going to tell him that I don't know him and he's not involved, how does this boy end up in a place like the Nichols? Because clearly no one listened to anything they had to say. They were African-American youth in a stolen car. And in Jim Crow era, there was no further investigation needed. And that is tragic, you know. I was reading a book to my daughter the other day, sort of a a Dr. Seuss kind of style book. My mom kept all of the books from when we were little, my sister and I, and my daughter likes them. And I was reading this uh, supermarket mystery to her. And the person who's stealing food in the book is a wolf. Uh, But I got to a point in it where it says, the the wolf runs at the end and he runs down to the other part of town where all the robbers live and i read this and thought hmm, I'm, i don't know that this is the book i actually want to read to my daughter anymore maybe this one needs to go away it fosters the same kind of us and them and making it out to be that there are, are groups of people who are just bad and do bad things and that's like their job and I get that this is a kid's book but that's how it starts. I think that the messages that we sent in society and still in many ways do send start to separate us out and start to make some groups of people criminal and in this book in this time your skin color made you criminal and I think it's interesting that the other half of the school, the white boys, have a different name for yeah, this. They're I, not going to call it the White House. That wouldn't fit for them. You know, it's interesting. Their perspective of this place or or society in general is obviously different from the, the boys that he is is incarcerated that he's incarcerated with. You know, and it's interesting because, like I said, it 
justice is viewed differently for everybody. And what we think in, a, in, that, in that era, you know, yeah, it, the, the saying was supposed to be, the old saying is uh, guilty until proven innocent. Well, you, unfortunately, if you were an African-American in that, that time frame, uh, you were uh, guilty automatically. <laughs> you were guilty, you know, you were guilty, innocent until proven guilty. That's what it is. I'm sorry. Innocent until proven guilty. But you're, in that case, you were guilty until you were proven innocent. And my father, you know, I, I, I often sit down and, and I'm like maybe one generation removed from this era that you're reading about. I'm one generation removed. And my father and my, all my parents would often talk to me about things that went on in society, um, especially within the justice system. And I recall a story that my father told me regarding uh, someone that he knew, a uh, young man that he knew. And, uh, and he was accused of something and, and incarcerated as a result of that, but come to find out later on that he was not guilty of what he was accused of. And he was a lone African-American and there was a lone white person involved and that story always hits home with me. And it kind of resonates as to why my parents would tell me certain things or tell me certain ways I needed to act while in public or uh, going places or doing things um, mm -hmm. because of the fear that they, they harbored at that time. They harbored a lot of fear about what could happen if I were... Ever, if I ever found myself in a position of where I was being accused of something. And understandably so. It really didn't hit home until I got older. You know, sometimes I, I would think that, you know, they're being a little paranoid or, uh, you know, they're being a little overzealous or doing too much, as the kids would say nowadays. But uh, as I got older, I said, no, nah, I don't think they were, I don't think they were doing too much. I really understand where they were coming from based upon their experiences, based upon what they had seen in society growing up. And uh, I, I, I really took it to heart. And the way our system is set up, if the law enforcement could look at someone and find a, a way to make you guilty of a crime, send you to nickel, send you to jail, unwarranted, but send you to a place like this. You know, Elwood talks about the fact that a lot of the people at Nickel are there for very dubious reasons. You know, people who he, the kid who was just kind of, he had run away from home a couple times. And so his dad said, take him at Nickel. And now the kid's incarcerated just because he was, you know, not necessarily doing anything criminal once you've been to jail or to a reform school, that's another strike against you. And you have to tell every future employer that you've been to this place. And then our system isn't set up to forgive you. It's set up to continue to punish you for this. It's like, oh, the racist institution that set this up in this case, in this book, you are convicted of a crime and then they say, see, we, we told you, we told you that all of these people with this dark skin color were bad. See, they're all criminals. We shouldn't give them chance. It's a way to affirm the racist institution of the Jim Crow laws in the first place. 
and how tragic is that? Yeah, that that era could have is very tragic. It's very tragic because um, you know that that he he's a very intelligent young man. He 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 is a, a young man that has a lot of promise. He has a lot of promise based in, and you can see that earlier on in the book. And Elwood reminds me of my dad, uh, or my my stepfather and my father. Both of the both of those guys were very intelligent young men. They they were a little rough growing up, so to speak. But uh, you know, uh, to hear them and their their youthful exploits or their youth their, in their youth, they did some. <laughs> They did some stuff that was just basically just crazy, and uh, you know, I, I I talked to my father, uh, and, and he he grew up in and around Frenchtown um, mm-hmm. during the during that era, and he got in his fair share of trouble, <laughs> and uh, he was well, often so warned that if he didn't straighten his act up, he could end up in a place like Nickel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my dad got into all kinds of trouble right. when he so was he, little too, when he was younger, you know, um, things that would be considered criminal if caught today, but he was in a small town in Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. he was white and his dad worked for the cops. And so mm-hmm. there was never any of that kind of intervention. You know, my dad graduated from high school, joined mm-hmm. the military, went in well, in order to, to pay that, for college, and was the finance manager of a car dealership for my whole life. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that about you, Miss Huff. My dad, Fred, was a, uh, a an auto dealer as well. He had a dealership <laughs> in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Really? My dad worked at Jerry Ohm Dodge wow. for most yeah. of my life. Ironically, <laughs> yes. Wow. What? Wow. My dad, my dad, his father, and, and another thing we have in common, my father's dad, Fred, my grandfather was one of the first African-American, uh, African-Americans to uh, be in the Tallahassee Police Department. So it's funny you should mention that because my dad <laughs> used to get in a lot of trouble and people would look at my dad like sideways. <laughs> right. That's crazy. That is why I did not know that about you, Ms. Huff. So we have a lot of similarities. <laughs> well, you know, as I as I look at this yes. novel, I yes. hope I hope that we I know that it's narrated from a place where Elwood does survive this and is in New York City. It tells us that in the prologue. I know that there are some horrors to come based on what they discuss in the prologue, but I hope that not all of who he is is squashed in this school. And I hope that, you know, he was not somebody who would cut up like both of our fathers. But I I hope that he still gets to keep who he is and not have it destroyed out of him through this book. So I'm looking forward to reading the rest and to having more of these conversations. I think that it's enlightening for me. As you said, you grew up one generation removed. I'm one and a half generations removed. My mother went to public school during the time of integration in junior high, high school. That was the first time it was integrated for her. So she was kind of in some of this in Kissimmee. And then 
tried to bring me up in a, in a different world. And I don't know how different it is from the other side. I think I saw a lot of equality because it's what my parents instilled in me. But I don't know that African-Americans see the same thing because I don't know that their, their experiences are, are not my own. It's what I'm learning with this book. Mm -hmm. It is definitely, you know, we, when we look at, and, and it's true, let's look at experiences, all the experiences that are in this book, you know, we're, we're getting this young man's experience, you know, experience of, of this um, institution. And um, he definitely has a difference between his, his classmates or cellmates or whatever you want to call them. Uh, his experience of this place is a lot different. And um, yeah, I, I hope he survives it too. Um, it's very disheartening to read this, this novel at some points in time because it, it really hits close to home and it, it, it's very concerning. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, it's, it's, it's a glimpse back and, and it, it has to shape my, my perspective going forward of my perception and my perspective, uh, my experiences, and to respect the experiences and perceptions of everyone else. Yes. And I think that's why it's important that we tell stories like this and that we read stories like this is that it gives you a glimpse into someone else's world and someone else's life and lets you feel who they are. And I think the more that we walk in each other's shoes, the better world we can build going forward because we can all see each other as people and value each other's experiences. So thank you for talking with me about this today. And exactly. I look forward to reading the rest with all of you. I hope you guys are reading the book along with us. Thank you, Mr. Thompson. My pleasure.